Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is, as far as I'm concerned, a gold mine because Jenny Irwin, let me introduce you first. You say hello. Hi, glad to be on today and have this conversation with you. Me too, with you. We were introduced by a mutual friend. And when I heard what Jenny had discovered, um, Yes, of course, I had to get to her. So Jenny, let me just go right to you. Tell me what you did discover, please. I discovered over 450 letters that had been correspondence of my father to my mother during the time of their courtship and during his service, primarily when he was in the Pacific in New Guinea. Okay, well, you said from your father to your mother, do you also have letters from her to him in response or are they all from your father? They're all from my father, but I have her diaries. I have about five years of diaries. She never threw anything away, God which I'm grateful yeah. for. Yeah. So it's his letters, postcards. Um, okay. <clears throat> I didn't realize that. I thought it was, okay, well, that's good enough. So yes. <clears throat> my question is, how did you find them? Was this after your last parent passed away that you found these somehow? Or did you always know about them or what? Well, I sort of knew about them. They were back in a closet where <laughs> my sister and I shared a room. And they really became evident when we moved mother from her home of over 60 years wow. to an assisted living. It's only the only home I had ever known to an assisted living. And we put a lot of her stuff in storage. And eventually, because I was the oldest and I took care of her finances and personal things, those were sent to me. And those were sent to you the, from the storage? Yes, yes. I, I mean, I, I helped send them either. And I was trying to remember the other day because uh, some of the furniture was sent to my sister in Burlingame, California. And so that's how, you know, some way it got into my possession. Okay, you're being watched over. I'm so yes. glad. Now, now, you knew about them before, but you never went to peek at them or read them. No, I didn't. I was still working full time in San Francisco. And it was only after I retired full time in 2013 and was kind of bored and trying to figure out what to do. Oh. And uh, John, who was working on remodeling our place um, in Pacifica, said, why don't you go to Arizona and get away from here and see what is in those boxes from your mom? Okay. Now, I'm just curious if you had, you know, because I've had these conversations with people who actually one person who came across letters that would have been, I think, so valuable emotionally and historically and her parents were both gone. Maybe it was even, anyway, she threw them away without reading them because she considered them personal for their eyes only. Now I can understand that. On the other hand, I didn't feel that way. I was probably nervous about reading them because I wasn't sure what I would find out. I, I was. And the first thing that I did was I put them in chronological order and then I put them in Ziploc bags by the years. Good for you. And then, because, you know, they weren't always in order. Sure. And so I did that. And then I started going through them. And I realized, oh, my goodness, 
what an important history. And the other important- Can we just take a break on that last sentence? Okay. I wanna, the word history. When I, you know, I do, I've been reading certain things and, and the last two things, well, couple of, maybe the last three things I read were historical biographies, big, important. And they were almost all based on letters they were based on the letters that this that um, one author found that uh, in the Churchill family. I mean, these authors must spend. Well, I know this last one spent four years reading, you know, Plato and Aristotle, and was doing a, a history um, on our the first our first four presidents, all from letters. It is the most reliable history we have. All right, that's yes. my soapbox. So, what, what were you afraid that you said you you know you were afraid what you might find? What were you? I I don't know. I mean, again, it was personal. My father had died when I was twenty one, so I didn't really know him as an adult, oh. and I wasn't really sure, you know, what might be in there. And the other thing is, in terms of confidence, and making sure that mother was okay, I decided that I needed to tell her that I had found them oh. and I asked her permission. Okay. And, and this, I mean, that sense of privacy. You did have well, that sense of it that you asked. How lovely that you. Yes. And what was interesting is I, I asked her around her birthday when she turned 99 in oh. the fall the fall of 2014. And I knew that if I was going to do this, that I need to do it sooner than later. Right. And I had actually copied several of the letters because they're fragile. I didn't want to take any with me, but I wrote several of them in, I should have copied them, but it was hard. It would have been hard to see, but I wrote them in a notebook and I, she was living in a nursing home at that time. And we, had taken a walk around the, the grounds. I'd pushed her in a wheelchair and we came to her favorite little place. And I said, mom, I need to talk with you about something. And I said, I found the letters that dad had written you. And I wanted to write a book about you and dad during that era. And, and I started reading some of the letters and her face just lit up. It was like, she was carried back to that time when she was that person, that young woman, that new wife. And so I said, and I'm, I'm emotional now. I said, mom, is it okay if I use these letters to tell the story of you and dad and his service in World War II? And she was just like, just kind of quiet and nodding, acknowledging that she heard what I was asking and she softly said yes oh and so I hugged her and cried and and I'm so grateful because I wanted her to know and then a year later in May of 2015 she passed away oh. so um what's been important to me is that both of my parents have come alive okay so take 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 a stop there I just like okay. a little stop at, at moments that are so important that they need to kind of just float there in the air for a minute, that it made them come alive. I have noticed over the years that I've been doing this, you know, maybe 14 years by now, 
that letters that seem like they would be a goodbye most often are a hello. And for exactly the reason that you said, it takes people back to their youngest, strongest selves. And what a gift that is. You're not gonna cry alone here, by the way. I'm totally joining you. I, I'm, I'm so touched by this all the time. Yeah. And, and let, let me ask you, what, if I may, I don't know how long an answer this might be, but what did you find out two things that, that you didn't know about your father, which I guess would be a lot since he was too young. You were too young to have lost him. What yes. did you find out that surprised you? How passionate and deeply he loved mother. And what, how patriotic he was. I mean, he was much older he didn't even think he was going to be recruited because he was 34, but he was very patriotic. He really cared about his country and he was willing to fight for it. And, and was this, were you born, but I don't know how old you are, but were you born when, yeah. you, okay, so this was before, uh-huh. So here was the other thing that was really significant for me that I didn't know. My mother's name was Virginia. Uh -huh. And he at first was Virginia and then G-E-N-N-Y. -G and then in his letters, it was J-E-N-N-Y, which is my name. Oh, of course. And he got home on December the 6th, the day after his 38th birthday. They wanted and to what, have a- What year was that? 40, 45. Oh, okay. So before, okay. Okay. And then nine months later, I was born. Their letters talked about wanting to start a family, how they were going to do that. So it just made me feel like, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> I had a lot of fun days that I came along. Oh. Um, but that was really special. I have a question about that because people so often think of their parents in their older years. And I hear people talk about, um, just recently with a love letter I said it with Mark Anthony, who's a, a um, you know, he's a, he's a psychic and a medium. And he was talking about channeling people who have passed at very old ages. And he said, and you know, we don't, we don't have to remember granny is just some little old gray haired lady who baked and knit it. And what is this perception that is so many people have of their older grandparents, older grandparents in particular, and parents also sometimes because that's the last you see of them. And they're, they weren't always like that. They were, you know, you talk about how passionately he loved her and they set about to have a baby and, you know, all that that implies. And um, yes, it, it's so nice to know your, I would think, for you to be able to know your parents as just young, passionate, Yes. Couldn't keep their hands off each other. Yep. People. And his letters were fun about that. And, like you know, missing your loving arms. And, and um, so it, it, it was really good to know how much they really loved each other. And those that love and knowing that she was there and writing him and the passion, it kept him alive and motivated and hopeful oh. in the jungles. Oh, 
Okay, so I'm gonna cry again. Okay, so that the whole business of hope is so critical to life. Mm -hmm. Losing hope is the first of the goodbye. So you're saying that her passion for him, her desire for him kept him going. Isn't that important? Yeah. Well, and she wrote him every day. In her, oh, oh, but you don't have those letters, but you have her diary. Is that what? I have her diary and she wrote him every day and he would say, I got six letters from you today. Oh. I got a V-mail from you today. I got, um, you know, a package from you. Today. They could send razor blades in the mail because in the jungles, he still had to shave every day and he couldn't. <laughs> they didn't always have razor blades. Well, then talk about what you learned about his life in service. He was in the army. I'm guessing this was army. Yes. Um, his, he and his brother were partners in a business, Jet Firestone, tires and service station. And so he ended up going into, he was part of the service. He was not infantry. And so basically his job, he was a shop foreman of minimum automotive maintenance. So they were keeping the, the vehicles running in the jungles. Oh my goodness, I see. I can't even picture life such that mail could get to a jungle. So do you know about V-mail? No, that's what I was just asking you. What is V-mail, please? Okay, V-mail, and this is not, this is what you would normal, what they would do. It was, it was discovered in Britain. And basically what the person would do is that they would get a piece of paper that had lines and everything, and they would write on, you know, what they wanted. Uh -huh. This would be taken and photographed and then would be sent to where it was supposed to be because the mail was competing with the supplies mm. and all of the things so that it was very difficult. And so this is one example of a V-mail. They were all this size, they were photocopied. And so that took up a lot less room. Oh. Than, than airmail. Uh-huh. So you didn't have to deal with many several envelopes and and that yeah. was his handwriting. Yes. Yes. Um, and so they would photocopy it. And then when they in New Guinea, or it probably was in Australia, anyway, there would be a place, and then they would print it off and put it in that in this little envelope, uh -huh. and then it would be delivered to him or to her. This one happened to be um, to my mother. And here it says War and Navy Department's V-mail service, official business. So these were very important. You get many messages in one envelope. No, no. just one. Oh, I see. Okay. Just one. Okay. But when he first got to Australia, because he went from East, well, Tennessee, to Mississippi, and then eventually to San Francisco, San Francisco to Australia, and then Australia to New Guinea. And so the first correspondence that he sent happened to be V-mails to her. Okay. So and when yeah. you, <clears throat> excuse me, you talk about putting this together in a book, 
are there children in your life? Are there children and nieces and nephews or anybody? Oh, okay. Yes. My son, Douglas Rollin Irwin, his middle name is for my dad. Okay. Um, his son, his youngest one's middle name is Jet. So that's family. And then my sister has uh, three children and one of them has my father's middle name. So, and then I got lots of cousins. So, and all of their families are in it in one way or the other, because I really show what the impact of World War II was on families. Okay, so let's talk about that in a minute, um, th what you learned about that. The reason I'm asking about children in your life is, yes, these, these letters can go on and on and on, generation after generation, and what a legacy for your children and grandchildren to know that they came from that kind of passion and love. Yes. That's a fabulous legacy to know that you came from such love. From love and really caring about the country. Oh, that's And be wi yes. willing to, um, you know, fight and make huge sacrifices to defend, you know, our freedoms. And that's really important too. So you can be proud of your whole line back. Yeah. Yes, Wonderful. yes. Yes. So talk about just a minute ago, you were going to talk about a different, slightly different issue. Um, remind me what that was. Well, we, we, Yeah, I know. Somebody remind me. We were talking about, about what you learned historically. And when I said, do you have children? You know, you said they are all in this. I'd like to know kind of what role they played in these letters. What role the children? Yeah. I mean, just that they were referred to or. Oh, my, oh, my relatives. Okay. Yeah. So my father came from a huge family. He was one of 14, but 12 made it to adulthood. Okay. And so there were only three of the boys that actually served during uh, World War II overseas. One of the ones um, actually was with the Air Corps. So he taught people how to fly. Oh, my goodness. And then on my mother's side, she was one of seven, and one was in the medical corps. Another one was dropping bombs over Tokyo that he was a gunner. And so all of the brothers and sisters-in-laws was in some way involved in the war effort. Did you feel in, in reading your father's letters, did you, was there any element of fear at what he was facing? Not really. I mean, he, you know, he said, I can do this. I can do this. And a year after he had landed in New Guinea, he would say, this was a hell hole when we landed. And he, he described what it was like, the rain, the mud, and they had nothing. And they didn't have food for like over a day. So the other thing about the letters is that they were censored. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Yes. And one of the, and, and I'm just curious about everything, but anything related to this. So, you know, I had to do a lot of searching about what different things meant. And so each letter, someone looked at it, and then there was a stamp that showed that it was passed. And there were a couple of times that dad sent letters that something was marked out or cut out. Oh my, the, the, the fear was that it was 
kind of classified or mm-hmm. damaging if uh-huh. yeah and I know that they were told what they could write and what they couldn't write because he said there's so much that I want to tell you but I can't talk about that and she really didn't even know where he was oh my goodness in New Guinea and it would be not until like two years in that he could say that he was in Milne Bay and she had gotten a world atlas which I happened to have (laughs) yes 1946 uh 42 or something like that and um so she would trace and try to find out and figure out where he was was so uh yeah yeah thank goodness for being what i was doing was writing the um, introduction about how they first met, which was at a University of Tennessee football game. And so I wanted to see in 1937, who did they play and what was the time frame and whether, and so I'm just grateful for all of the it's, tools it's, today. Wow, just miraculous. Yeah. So, so you're going to make this into a book and are you going to do that yourself? The reason I'm asking, my, a, a, a um, relative actually of my husband's, did a book such as this family history and rather than waiting i guess and who knows if he'd get one you know for a publisher he did it himself and sent it to everyone in the family what will you be doing to make yours into a book actually i'm hoping that i can get it published um i'm a member of the east tennessee historical society because that's where that's where i'm from and actually went over and and did some research at their center and one of the speakers recently was the man who had written a similar story based on a thousand letters mm-hmm. about his uncle who was killed in, um, in Europe. And it, it was just wonderful. And so what I intend to do, as soon as I finish it to where I want it to be finished, I'm reaching out to him. Oh, good. Because again, we're both from East Tennessee, you know, it was relative. Some of the places that he mentioned were important in terms of my family's, my father's and their dating. And, um, and then I have several other friends that have published. So I'm going to try that venue. And if not, you know, I will. Um, oh, I didn't realize you had all that open to you because, you know, somehow, it seems to me that there's a, a there's a matter. This is what they call time sensitive, you know. That you do you want to get it done. Will you have pictures? Oh my goodness, I've got so many pictures. Oh, it's um, okay. And and what was fun too is that my mother would send pictures because that would make Daddy feel closer to her. Sure. And so this just, ha- and I don't know if you can see this one, but hold it up a little higher. Oh, uh huh. Okay. Oh, and what's significant about this is it was at the farm where she grew up, and it was his car that still had the Camp Shelby license plate on it. So, yes, I've got pictures that he sent. Maybe you should show us. Do you have them right there at your fingertips? More pictures? Uh, um, That's okay. No, no, okay. I, I, don't, I don't have those. I've got, you know, some of the letters and things, but not the pictures. Well, but Show us whatever you would like to share with us visually. Um, 
Well, this is, well, one of the things, and, and again, and I remember in your interview, you said that you were not really that much of a history person. Well, I was not either. Oh, I am now. Me too. Me too. Um, I just dropped this. Um, because I want to know as much as I can. And so. But you're telling, you're telling it through a love story, through a historical um, time. You know, this isn't names and dates and places. I mean, when history is told right. I mean, I, I talk about it with the backdrop of what's going on in the war, because I felt like that that context. So, you know, I've been to the World War II Museum. I've been to the archives in D.C. because I want to have as much accuracy as possible in terms of the ships that he was on. But what was interesting is because he was over there, you know, so missed her birthday. You know, you can't go to the store. So they call it trench art. And so this was a pen that was made by some of the guys and it's with an Australian coin. And this is not glass, but it was from the airplanes, from the, the, the shills or the cockpit glass of the, the airplanes. And, and, and that in the jungle? Yes. My goodness. Okay. Yes. Because they had engineers, they had, you know, a whole variety of people that were doing different things. And this is the other heart that um, uh -huh. the coin and on the back, it says um, New Guinea, my darling wife, 1944. Oh, wow. And then this was a bracelet again, that was just made with the things that were available. Oh. Because they had to repair the, the vehicles. Sure. Um, so, you know, I had that. Um, one of the things that my father was on was one of the ships that broke the transatlantic record for bringing the most soldiers back to the U.S., and there was a daily newsletter and it was the SSS Eberly. And so I have that. I don't have it to, to show, but all this will be included in your book. All oh, these. yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. So and what was interesting is that after the war was over, they were still in um, the New Guinea uh, and then eventually they went to the Philippines. And because they had been there for a really long time, there was this whole thing about how do you get released? And so they wrote their congressman a letter saying, hey, we're getting a bum deal because, you know, we've been stuck in the jungle. We don't have this many points to be able to get out. I actually have a copy of that letter that was sent to the congressman from the men of his company about the raw deal they were, they were getting. So it's a different day then too, where you could write, can you write to your congressman anymore and expect some kind of response or assistance? I wonder if you can do that. I, I can, but what was the most helpful for me was to actually go to um, Washington DC to the National Archives. And there's the one that's in Maryland. Um, I, I got so much information. Well, but what I meant was he as a soldier wrote to his congressman. Uh, yes, and I have, a, well, they wrote to the chairman of the 
army or something. I, I don't remember the, but I actually have a photocopy of the letter that they wrote that I had gotten at the National Archives. So um, be something that anybody whose family lived through and took part in World War II would want to see for starters and then the rest of the world also. I think, you know, just to appreciate what these men and women did. And I didn't realize what role my mother played because she was a teacher and they had the ration books. Most of those ration books were distributed at schools by school teachers. Oh. So she would work her regular schedule and then they would let the kids out at one o'clock and the families would be lined up to get their ration books. My goodness, yes, and we don't we don't have that anymore, do we? No, not in the same kind of way. And what what else? I mean, you say her role in this. What was there anything else that? Well, she bought war bonds. I mean, all of the money because he had no place to spend it. You know, she was very thrifty, Good. and so the war bonds, um, any ways that she could help. She did, and she would. But the main thing was um, doing the um, rations. And she got a, a letter, mm -hmm. I think, from the president thanking her for her effort in helping distribute those um, ration books. I had no idea about that. Oh, my goodness. No idea about that. And the other thing is... weapon conversation when you were a child, huh? I guess. No, because one of my favorite books was uh, Tom Brokaw's book, The Greatest Generation. And that gave me background and understanding about them. And then when I was reading their letters and their diaries and things, it made that real to me that once they got home, that job was done and they didn't want to talk about it. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Yes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you have to, I don't know that you have to, but sometimes people choose to close their eyes to the difficulty so they can forge ahead in happiness. And how wonderful that you have these letters to correct what you didn't get told. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for doing this with me. This is great. And just to know, you know, the power of letters, of course, which I always am big on. And um not just that, but you know, letters to the congressman and V-mail and how much attention the um, government apparently put into getting letters to soldiers because we know that that's what keeps up hope. Hope, motivation, it literally kept my father alive. And he got, he said, I get more mail, more packages than anyone here. And he, for the most part, did not get discouraged in his letters. Now, trying to get home in a timely manner, he was not real happy, but um, he he thrived on those. Okay, well, that, you let me, you'll let me know when this book is done and out, right? I will do that. So I will do that. Everybody about it. Thank you. This has just been so extra enlightening and just supportive of what letters can do, what they mean, and the post office and everything else. Thank you so much, dear. You're I welcome. I, I'm so glad I could share their story with you. Me too. I'm just so glad I got to hear it. And yes. What are you calling the book? Do you have a title? Yes. May I? 
Letters, Love, and Longing. Oh. My Parents Were a War II Story. Yes. That's a wonderful title. Okay, I'm going to look for that, and I'm going to look to talk to you another time. Thank Sounds you. Sounds great. Okay, thank you so much, Janet. Bye.